let's walk through the passage. Look, look back at verse 30. Jesus answered and said, And a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, there's a couple of things I, I, I want us to, to pull out of that, that verse right there. The first thing that I want us to notice, especially when you're considering Jesus is telling t one story that has this mirrored image, the first thing I want us to notice is the word fell among thieves. Notice those words, fell among thieves. It's actually one word uh, in, in, in Greek. And I always, every time I hear that, every time I, I picture it, every time I see it portrayed, whether it's through Veggie Tales or some, uh, some uh, portrayal of this, of this parable, I always have this imagery of the man being attacked by bandits. You know, you have this idea that he's just minding his own business, walking down the street, and then out of nowhere, these bandits jump out and attack him. In fact, the New Living Translation even uses those words. It says, attacked by bandits. However, the words fell among are translated from one word, and it carries this idea, and this is so important, to enter the company of a group of people, especially by chance. To enter the company of a group of people, especially by chance. In other words, it's, it's, it's very similar to if you've heard the phrase, he fell into the wrong crowd. Okay? We, yeah, he fell among thieves. He, he, he fell into the wrong crowd. What do we mean by that? When we use that word, when we use those, that phrase together, he fell into the wrong crowd, it doesn't mean that the crowd attacked him, does it? It means what? That he made his way into that crowd and he got mixed up with the wrong people. So as Jesus is sharing this story and he is saying that he fell among thieves, the language is that he fell into the wrong crowd. So this man walking from Jerusalem to Jericho fell among thieves. He got mixed up with the wrong crowd, a crowd that didn't care about him. And as a result, they did what? They stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. So what is the heavenly truth? What is it that, that Jesus is after? What is it that he is illustrating? I believe that he is illustrating to us that sin is destructive. That sin is destructive. Key point number one for us this morning is this, that the parable of the Good Samaritan reminds us that sin is destructive. Sin is destructive. So regardless of which approach you come from, whether you come at it from the, the, the he was attacked or whether he fell into the wrong crowd, the outcome is the same. Jesus is illustrating the effect of sin. That sin is going to strip you and it's going to leave you exposed in shame and sin will wound you and sin will leave you without hope. Sin will abandon your soul. 
But before we move on too quickly, before we move on too quickly from this, this verse, I want us to zoom in on, on one more word. It's an unusual word. In fact, um, it's believed that Jesus actually coined this word, that there's, there's no other place in, in history where this word was ever used, that Jesus took two words and created a new word. What word would this be? It's hey me thanais. It's translated here as half dead. Half dead. The, the idea here is um, that like hemi, like hemisphere, half, uh, is where this is coming from, and then the word for dead. And Jesus put these two together, and this seems odd. This doesn't happen. You don't put those words together. I was reminded back in 1991, I worked my hometown. Uh, I was uh, in college at the time, and I worked at a funeral home. And uh, they, they needed some, a college student that could come in and do the, the odds and ends works around a funeral. Uh, I know, I know. <laughs> Mary, Mary's like, I'm out. Uh, you know, but here's, and, and believe it or not, uh, the people who work at a funeral home, this is one of the things I discovered, they have an incredible sense of humor. I mean, you would have to. Behind the, behind the scenes, when everything is done, uh, an incredible, incredible sense of humor. And uh, pr- pranksters, and, and I know that sounds absolutely crazy, but it was one of the most fun jobs that I had for a summer. Uh, just because of the craziness uh, of the people that I, that I worked with. But I did everything from mowing the lawn uh, to a, a one occasion, and I'll share this some other time. Uh, they sent me to, the, to drive the hearse to Nashville and pick up a body that was being shipped uh, from another state, and then I had to bring it back. I'll share more about that some other time. Uh, that was that was a fun uh, a fun adventure. Uh, I would drive the van uh, to load load it up. You ever you ever notice how you're in the you're at the funeral home, and you have the service, and then you're at the graveside, and all of a sudden you look around and you're going. All the flowers that were once in the building are now at the graveside. You know how they got there? That was me. That was my job. You know. Soon as the room emptied out, I was getting a bunch of flowers loaded up into a van. I got to the graveside and set those things up. Had a ton, ton of, uh, of, of interesting experiences, to say the least. I even watched, uh, uh, watched them embalm. <laughs> I actually watched them embalm a body. Uh, however, the entire summer, lots of stories, the entire summer, I never heard Bill Danks, the, the guy who owned the, the funeral home, I never heard Bill Danks say, I think this guy's only half dead. Not once. Uh, there were typically only two types of people in the funeral home. Those who were dead and those who were not dead. <laughs> not a single time. Did I ever, ever once hear Bill come in and say, we need to send this one back to the hospital? He's only mostly dead. He's only half dead. Uh, No, but why? 
because it doesn't exist, right? I mean, half dead doesn't exist. It's not a thing. Jesus even made up this word. It doesn't exist. What in the world is going on? So, what, But if Jesus used it, if he used this word, half dead, then what did he mean? Well, in a theological sense, to be half dead would be to be physically alive and spiritually dead. Speaking in spiritual terms, speaking in a theological sense, Jesus' words make perfect sense. This guy is alive physically, but he's dead spiritually. He is half dead. So we see Jesus doing a masterpiece here. He is giving us a a parable, a parabola, an earthly story with a heavenly truth. He's telling us that this guy got caught up in the wrong crowd. He's telling us that sin is destructive. And he is telling us that sin is going to leave you half dead. Physically alive, yes, but spiritually dead. Jesus is pointing a picture toward the gospel. We think of the gospel in, in terms of four themes. Creation, the fall, redemption, restoration. We begin that with this idea that God created everything, that God created you and he created me and he created us in his image. Unlike everything else that he created. He didn't create a tree in his image. He didn't create animals in his image. He created us, mankind, humans, in his image. And the scriptures tell us, at least in part, the Apostle Paul gives us some clarity. And he tells us that in part, part of that image was to, to reflect the goodness, the holiness, and the righteousness of God. The problem is what? We do a terrible job of it. We're not that good at reflecting his righteousness. We're not that good. Why is that? Because of the fall. Because we are prone to sin. And sin leaves us half dead. Physically alive, but spiritually dead. Look back at verse 31. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place came and looked and passed by on the other side. Now, what's, the, what's so important here is this, that when, when our sin has left us exposed, and it's exposed us in our shame, and it has wounded us, and we are left seeking hope, the first one to come down that road was a priest. Now, the priests are going to be the sons and descendants of Aaron, uh, he is from the, tribe of the, from the tribe of Levi. The primary role of the priest was to offer sacrifices on behalf of the people. In other words, they were concerned with making sure that the people's sins were atoned for, that they were covered, that they were appropriately handled. And at, at the same time, the Levites not just the priests, but the Levites. They were the ones who assisted the priests with their duties. They were the ones that handled things like the worship 
Uh, they would handle music. They would handle the transport of the tabernacle historically. They carried the furnishings of the tabernacle. So together, a priest and a Levite wanted to make sure that the Lord is honored and that sins are always atoned for. So, in this narrative, Jesus is telling the story. He's not just answering the question, who's my neighbor? He's answering that first question, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He's pointing out the fact that, hey, if you're not careful, you're going to fall into the wrong crowd. You're going to do things, and guess what? You're going to be left half dead. You're going to be left with sin, and that's all you're going to have. And guess what? The priests are going to come along. The Levites are going to come along. The likely ones to do what? Make atonement for your sin. But they were insufficient. Here's the problem. The sacrifices in the Old Testament, the sacrifices that the priests made, the sacrifices that the Levites made, were symbolic in nature. They were insufficient to bring redemption. If they had been sufficient to bring redemption, then Jesus' death would be unnecessary. They were a picture, they were a symbol, they were pointing us to what Jesus is going to do. 